We are continuing our series through Daniel. And so last week, if you remember, if you were here, we kicked off and we went into our first part of Daniel. Remember, it was Daniel 1. And so we talked a little bit about food. And I don't know if you can remember, what kind of food did Daniel choose to eat that wasn't the king's food? Vegetables. Vegetables. Nice, nice. So yeah, vegetables. All right, good. So you guys remember. So we are now continuing and we are going to be going full swing right off the bat here. And this is, it kind of gets intense right at the get-go here. But like I said, we are going to be, we are kind of moving right into chapter two. And we are going to be looking at two dreams today. Two dreams today. And they are with two different characters. So these two different dreams and these two different characters are ultimately going to give these people a look into the future. Pretty wild. So before I kind of dig into that, though, I want to make sure that you guys understand a concept that is going to be heavily used here. And that concept is imagery. All right, imagery. So what imagery is, is basically when you see something, you associate it with something else, or you understand it as something else, or like you might pull something else out of it. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I have a series of pictures that I'm going to put up on the screen, and when it goes up on the screen, I want you to tell me what you think of when you see that, all right, when you see that piece of imagery. And some of it is easier, some of it is like an immediate correlation, some of it's a little bit more difficult. So let's start off the bat here. McDonald's, McDonald's right? McDonald's. It's as easy as that. You don't overthink this, all right? It's as easy as that. All right, here's the next one. Nike. Nike. Coles? Did you say Coles? Oh, who said? Did you say Cole? Oh, Cole. I was like, what? Yeah, that actually makes more sense. So. All right, Nike or Cole. That's good. All right, next one. Target. All right? Easy. So these, those first three, those are the easy ones. Like you see it and you like are like immediately associated with something. So I'm going to show you three more. And these ones, I'm going to tell you what they are, but I want you to tell me what you think of when you see that picture. Okay? So here's the first picture of a lion. What do you think of when you see a lion? Lion King, Africa, Mufasa. What else? Danger. Narnia. Anything else? All right, let's do this next one. Here's a picture of a mountain. What do you think of when you see a mountain? Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Secret Life of Walter Mitty. That's a deep cut. I like it, though. All right. What's that? Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew? <laughs> hey, what else? Skiing. Nice. What else? Yes. Everest. Wow, good reference. The movie, not the actual mountain. So. All right, last one. Here we go. Here's a knight. What do you think of when you see a knight? Fortnite. <laughs> what else? Strength. What is it? Mead? Wow, Shelby. I spent a lot of time at the Renaissance Fair. All right. Uh, anything else? What else? Bubonic plague. Clash Royale. Nice. Clash Royale. All right. Good. So you guys get it. You think of things when you see these images. You kind of are grasping and understanding what I'm going for. And some of them are a little bit more obvious, right? Target, Nike, McDonald's. But other ones, different people will pull different things. They'll understand different things. And so... Remember what we talked about last week is that God gave Daniel an ability to interpret visions and dreams. 
He's able to go and understand visions and dreams. And God has given him this ability and this opportunity to do so. So today, we are going to be looking at two different dreams, King Nebuchadnezzar's and Daniel's dream. So we're actually doing something unique. And if you flip over that note sheet, we have that map on the back. And on that map, you're going to see that we have uncovered two more spots. And instead of going from Daniel 1 to 2 to 3 to 4, what we're doing is we're going to look at Daniel 2, and then we're going to look at chapter 7. Daniel 2 and Daniel chapter 7 are connected, and they're associated in certain ways. The most obvious is that they're both about dreams. And so what we're going to do today is that we're going to end up looking at this, at these different passages, and there's a lot of content. And I'm going to, I'm going to go through it as fast as I can, and it's, but it's going to feel like a lot. So what we're going to do first is we're going to start out by looking at Daniel 2. But instead of me reading it, Daniel 2 is about 50 verses. And I have about five minutes to tell you about Daniel 2. So we're not going to read all 50 verses. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to summarize and explain some, of, some parts. And we'll read some passages here and there to try to get to the objective of where, of where we are going. So Daniel 2 starts. The way it starts is that King Nebuchadnezzar is having these dreams they're more like nightmares. And it's the same dream. It's this reoccurring dream that he's having over and over again. And it's like tormenting him. It's like tormenting his soul. He just doesn't understand what it is. He's trying to figure it out. And so he goes and he reaches out over Babylonia. And he says, all right, I need magicians. I need enchanters. I need Chaldeans. I need anybody that's going to be able to come and tell me what this is. And so he brings all these people in, all these people that he would consider wise men. And he goes, all right. This is my dream. Tell me what it is. And they're like, all right, I got you. And then they listen to it. I, can't, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's basically what they were telling Nebuchadnezzar. And so he's getting frustrated because he's bringing all these people in. And he says, all right, nobody can figure this out. What's the point of having all these people that say they're so smart? I'm just going to go kill them. So he says, all right, he's going to start sending people out to kill these magicians and these enchanters and these other wise men. But then Daniel's like, Daniel and his buddies, his three friends, are like, whoa, whoa, like, give us a shot. Let's see if we can figure this out. And so Nebuchadnezzar's like, all right, I will give you a shot. And so instead of going and, like, saying, all right, let me hear this dream right off the bat, he takes a step back. Daniel takes a step back and says, all right, I want to, let's, let's look a little bit into what God has for us. And he spends some time in prayer. And so look at this starting in chapter, or starting in verse 20 of chapter 2. It says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. So, instead of just going, all right, I'm going to see if I can figure this out, Daniel takes a step back and prays, praises and worships God. He's, he says, this is the God that is, that is able to go and that is able to show us and interpret for us and reveal mysteries. He's the God that can see the light in the darkness. And he is the God that is able to help us. And so then he goes on into, into verse 28 and he says, 
But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to what, to what is to be. All right. And so now Daniel's saying, all right, you have, Nebuchadnezzar, you have been given these visions of what is to come. You've been given these, these dreams of the future, essentially. And we can't do it. We can't understand it. But God is the one that can reveal it. That is what you are missing in the magicians. That's what you're missing in the enchanters. God is the one that's able to reveal it. And so Nebuchadnezzar's like, all right, here's my dream. And so he starts telling him about this dream that he sees this statue of a man. And this is where things get kind of crazy because he sees the statue of a man. The head is made of gold, all right? And then the, the chest, like the upper torso, is made of silver. And then, like, the abdomen and the thighs are made of bronze. And then legs and uh, the feet are made of iron and clay, all right? So this is the statue that he's seeing. It's the statue of a man. It could look something like this. This is just to give you a little bit of a picture of what he's seeing. We obviously have no idea because we can't see into Nebuchadnezzar's head. But this should give you at least a picture of what he was probably seeing. And then it talks about that there's this rock or there's this, like, boulder that comes and crashes through those legs and those feet. And ultimately the statue comes crashing and tumbling down. And this rock will become a mountain. All right, tell me what that dream means. You know, like, what, uh, that's, it's vague. It's, you might not understand it. It's weird. And so Daniel goes, all right, that's your dream. Now let's interpret it. And so he says, starting from the top, that that head of gold, that is you, King Nebuchadnezzar, and Babylon. This is, that is, that is what, what this is talking about. And so what we go on to see is that each of those sections represent a kingdom, a king, a nation. And he says that there's this next nation that's going to come after you, and that's going to come, and it's going to destroy you. And that's all he says. He doesn't give them specifics. He doesn't tell them who it is. Now, there's some, like, that think there was a nation that came after Babylon, and it was called Medo-Persia. That's the last time you're ever going to hear that in your life. But I, I want to make sure to put it out there because that is a nation that came and destroyed Babylon. But the Bible doesn't tell us if that's what it's talking about. It could be talking about Medo-Persia. It could be talking about nation now. It could be talking about nation in the future. We don't know. And then it talks about that bronze nation that will destroy the silver one. And then the same thing with the legs and the feet. And the important thing about the legs and the feet is that it's clay and iron. Iron being something that represents strength and power and like ferocity. And then clay is something that is holding it together. But clay and iron don't mix. And so it's talking about this nation, this kingdom, where clay and iron are mixing and the nation isn't working and there's something that is making it weak. And then all of a sudden this rock comes in. And this is where things get interesting because Daniel says that the rock is going to be the Messiah, who would be Jesus. And he's going to come in and he's going to destroy these legs, cause that statue to crumble, and then ultimately he is going to come and he's going to become a mountain. He's going to become great, and he's going to take over the, the earth, and it, everything that is within his kingdom is going to be everlasting. It's his. He owns it. It is for him. And so what Daniel is saying is that he has seen, that Nebuchadnezzar has seen this vision of these kingdoms, one that comes right after another, but ultimately 
with the son of man that is going to come and destroy earthly kingdoms and create an amazing everlasting kingdom. It's wild. That's 50 verses, all right? I just summed up in like five minutes, okay? So take a deep breath because it gets crazier from here. So from what we've seen, that is what we understand from chapter 2. Ultimately, he's gonna, Daniel's going to get promoted, and then we are going to actually cover those other chapters later because those other chapters are interconnected. Now we are going to go and skip all the way to chapter 7. We're going to skip all the way to chapter 7. Chapter 7 is shorter than the others, but it's heavier in many ways. There's a lot that's going on. So I kind of, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to sum up a lot of it and read some passages here and there. But what you have to understand is this time the dream is not Nebuchadnezzar's, but it's Daniel's. That Daniel is having this dream. And he's having this dream, and it's, again, more like a nightmare. It's hard to understand. It's scary. There's a lot that's going on in it. And he doesn't really understand what to grasp. He doesn't know what it is. And this is Daniel, who up to this point has been interpreting visions and dreams for other people. And now he has one that he just doesn't understand. That could be kind of scary, you know. And so he goes, into this, he goes into this dream trying to figure out what it is. And so the way that he describes it is he's going to describe it as four beasts, okay, four beasts. So here's a little bit of, to help you get a better picture of what he's seeing. So the first beast that he sees is a lion that has wings. But ultimately that lion go, loses its wings and it stands up on its two feet and has a mind like a man. That's what he says and speaks like a man. And then he sees this bear that is laying on its one side, and this bear has three ribs in its mouth. All right? And then the next beast that he sees is this leopard that has four heads, and it has wings like, like a bird. And so I want to stop there because the first three animals are kind of vague. The first three beasts are a little vague. And they all represent nations. They all represent kingdoms. But again, the Bible doesn't tell us who they represent. And so there's some people that think that the lion might be Babylon because it talks about how that he was a, a lion that was on all fours and eventually got up on two legs. And later, I think Johnny is going to teach on a passage about Nebuchadnezzar who was cursed to act like an animal and was eventually given that mind back like a man and was able to speak again. Could be some relation there, but that's just a guess. I can't tell you if that's 100%. True, if that's, what the, if that's what Daniel is seeing. And then there's the next one, that's, uh, that's the bear, and people think that it's similar to the silver part of that statue. It could be that same nation, maybe it's not. We don't know. But there's a good chance that it is related because of the way these dreams have been laid out, specifically that they're in fours. Now, why it has three ribs in its mouth, it could be that some people think that it's representing three other nations that this, that this other nation had taken over. Other people just say, read it and they say, he's just really ferocious. And uh, that nation was taking people out and taking them for his own. We don't know. And that's the thing. Again, like, we don't, I can't tell you exactly what nation all of these, nation all these represent. And then that last one, with that leopard with wings as four heads, there's some people that think that it might be uh, about Alexander the Great. And uh, when he comes and he takes a bunch of land, and then he, when he dies and his nation splits into four nations, like the four heads of the leopard, speculation. It's a guess. It could, it might represent that. It might not. It might represent something now or in the future. 
or maybe all three, or it could be any of that. We just don't know. There's no way for us to do, figure it out, and we don't have that mind of God. We can't figure out exactly what it is without God revealing that. But there's one more beast that's talked about, and Daniel says this beast is so ferocious, is so scary, that he can't even describe it. Like, he is just completely unsettled. It makes him so scared. And all, the only way that he describes it is that it has big iron teeth, they're sharp, and he's got ten horns on his head. And so some people like want to interpret that as like a dragon or a dinosaur or something like that. But there's no way to know. So like this picture that I pulled off Google had some image there, but instead of that, I covered it up because we didn't get any other details outside of those things. But what we do know is Daniel is saying that this beast was so scary, he couldn't even compare it to anything else he's ever seen. And he talks about that there's the ten horns on its head, and ultimately there's going to be a little horn that's going to grow up, and it's going to grow out of the head, and it's going to destroy three of the other horns. It's crazy. I know. I don't even know. Like, it's, it's, it's weird to hear this. But his dream doesn't end here. So let's look at this, at this verse, starting in verse 9. It says, As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. All right, so Ancient of Days. That is usually a reference to God, and it is a safe assumption here because when we see it talking about white as snow and the hair is like pure wool, it's, that's a lot of a purity, and it's like this per individual that is completely blemish, blemishless. I don't know if that's a word, but I just made it up. So without blemish, without stain. And God is on this. He's sitting on his throne that's fiery, and there's flames, and it's giving us this amazing, fierce picture of who God is. And he says that is what he sees, and then he continues to go on, starting in verse 13. I saw in the night visions, meaning his dreams when Daniel's asleep, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory in a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So, son of man is a reference often to somebody that's in the line of David meaning here most likely the Messiah, because the Messiah is the one that is given, that is sent by the Ancient of Days, that is sent by God to come, and that he's going to have dominion, and he's going to create this everlasting kingdom, that he's already resurrected, and now he's, he's going to come again, and he's going to bring us to be with him forever, that he's going to vanquish these evil earthly kingdoms, and he's going to have power. And so the chapter then goes on to explain about these horns. So horns, a lot of times, when we, if you read about them in ancient literature in the Bible, a horn is about a king. And so there's these ten kings that it's specifying, and there's this one little king that's going to rise up, and he's going to defeat three other kings, or these three other leaders is probably a better way to understand it. And it says, continues to say in the chapter that this little horn is going to go and he's going to say he knows more than God. He's better than God. He's going he's to persecute Christians and say that they believe in a false God and he is the one with power and he's the one on high and everybody should look for him. 
And everybody should, should understand that he is the leader and that he is truth. And then it goes on to say that this son of man is going to come and he's going to vanquish this little horn. And he's going he's gonna to have this everlasting kingdom and this everlasting dominion over what was for humans, over what was earthly. He's going to come and he's going to take it back. He's going to take his creation back. And it's this amazing look into the future that we have all these like nations that are being talked about and all these things that could be specific when in reality the only specific things that we're reading about is what God is going to send his son to come and do in the future. All right, so I went through two chapters and pretty quickly. So there's a few different ways that these chapters are similar, and this will be in your notes, all right? So... We want to see these, the similarities between these two. And the first is that they start with nightmare visions. That they start with nightmare visions. And the next one is that both of these dreams are about kingdoms, right? Earthly kingdoms that there's four in the first vision, there's four in the second vision. And so it's all about what these kingdoms are doing and who they are and what's going to ultimately happen to them. Speaking of what's going to happen to them. These kingdoms will destroy others, but they will be destroyed as well. That none of these kingdoms are going to be things that persevere for eternity. That these kingdoms are ultimately going to be defeated and fall. But lastly, the end glorifies a new kingdom, an eternal kingdom. A kingdom that won't fall and that's going to be everlasting. These two dreams, these two chapters have a lot of similarities. And there is a lot to pull from them. And you can see that they are both pointing towards the fact that earthly kingdoms do not stand, but the eternal kingdom does stand. And so what you're probably asking is like, all right, you told me all about these dreams. You basically lectured for 20 minutes. So what am I supposed to take away from this? And that's valid. I understand. I could tell you, here's what each of the parts of the statue represents, and here's what each beast represents, and this is what nation that they're associated with, and this is where they're coming from. But ultimately, I could be lying to you. God does not reveal to Daniel or to us who this each nation is. It could be, we could read it, and we could see like, oh, maybe it was that nation that destroyed Babylon. Or maybe it's more like a nation that we see now. Or maybe it's going to be like a nation that we see in the future. Or what if it's talking about all three? What if it is representing all three? And it ultimately what it comes down to is we have to understand that there is a matter of perspective. That we are understanding this from a different perspective. So take a look at this. What is this? It's a frisbee, right? It's a frisbee. Something you go and you play with outside. You, go, you throw, throw around to your friends and things like that. But back in the day, frisbees weren't always toys. They were actually pie tins. They were pie tins. And they, that's what they started out as before they became toys. And what I want you to see in that is that there is a different matter of perspective. That when Daniel's prophesying to Nebuchadnezzar and saying, this, is, this nation's going to come and destroy this nation... They could have very well been like, I bet you it's this nation, and I bet you this is what's coming, and I bet you this is what it is, and we could do that now, and in 50 years, we could be doing that again. And my point is that God is not specifying what each of these nations are, because the focus isn't on each of those nations, but the focus is on the end of those dreams. 
that we can see and that we can understand what happens at the end. That no matter what fear you have, no matter what worry, no matter what anxiety you have, God wins. That no matter what nations rise, what nations destroy other nations, what nations fall, God wins. You might be sitting here and you might be fearful of what is happening overseas with Ukraine and Russia. Or you might be worried about American politics or world politics. You might just be concerned with what's happening around us. And I'm telling you right now that no matter what the outcome of all of those different things are, God wins. And you guys are probably sitting here and you probably don't care about politics. I don't blame you. But I, I, you were probably worried about grades, reputation, social media, popularity, friends, what you're going to do after you graduate high school, what you're doing now when you're in high school. Those are probably the things you're worrying about. And I want to tell you right now that no matter you're worrying about what's happening with Ukraine and Russia or you're, happening, or you're worrying about what's happening in high school, God wins. That is what is eternal. That we, have, we don't have specifics about what beast is which nation, which part of the statue is which part of is which nation and what kingdom and what leader is a little horn. There's going to be fallen nations that will come up. Fallen nations will be defeated. There will be little horns that pop up all the time that persecute us as Christians, that tell us that we are, don't follow the right God, that we should be following this little horn. But ultimately, the specifics that we see is that God is going to come, and he's going to defeat those evil kingdoms. He's going to take back what is his, and he's going to have an eternal, perfect kingdom that we can put our hope in. That is what we take away from this. Don't try to read into it. Don't try to figure these things out. But focus on the fact that Christ is coming back, and there's eternal hope in that. So... Like Johnny said, we have a little bit of extra time tonight, especially since we're not doing worship. So we're going to have a little bit of extended uh, table discussion. So you guys will have a few extra minutes than you typically do. And uh, these are good chapters to talk about because they're wild. So uh, here's some questions, or maybe you just want to talk about the chapters and spend some time doing that. And I'll come back up and wrap us up. All right. That when we think about the eternal, when we think about these kingdoms, these nations, when we think about what's happening in the world right now, when we think about the future, that our hope does not lie in any earthly leader, our hope does not lie in any earthly nation, but that we can look forward to the time when Jesus will come back and he will be with us for eternity. That is hope to look forward to. All right? So we will be continuing this series after Collide. So, but... I hope that you guys are benefiting from this. I hope you guys are enjoying it. And I'm going to pray for us, and then we will be good to go for the night. All right? So bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for worship night, and that we get to come before you, and that we have the opportunity to give you praise for the good God that you are. Um, Lord, let let us never take that for granted. And as we take that, and as we come to this text, something that's complicated and hard, something that's a portion that you reveal to us about what is to come, let our hope rest in the fact that, uh, that your son is king 
and that he is a king that we can put our hope in and that he is a king that will be able to provide us something to live for and to strive for. And I thank you for that. Lord, in everything that we say and do, I thank you for your son and his work on the cross. In your name I pray. Amen.